Chapter 11. Turnabout. Neither Wendell nor Lulu was around the following day. Mrs. Griffin said she'd seen them both before breakfast, and then they disappeared, so Harvey was left to his own devices. He tried not to think about what had happened the night before, but he couldn't help himself. Snatches of conversation kept coming back, and he puzzled over them all day long. What had Jive meant, for instance, when he told Harvey that turning him into a vampire was not so much a game as an education? What kind of lesson had he learned by jumping off a roof and scaring Wendell? And all that stuff about soul stealers and how they had to be served. What had that meant? Was it Mr. Hood that Jive had been speaking of? That great power they all had to serve? If Hood was somewhere in the house, why hadn't anyone, Lulu, Wendell, or himself, encountered him? Harvey had quizzed his friends about Hood and had the same story from them both. They'd heard no footfalls, no whispers, no laughter. If Mr. Hood was indeed here, where was he hiding and why? So many questions, so few answers. And then, as if the mysteries weren't enough, another came along to vex him. In the late afternoon, lounging in the shade of the treehouse, he heard a yell of frustration and peered through the leaves to see Wendell racing across the lawn. He was dressed in a windbreaker and boots, even though it was sweltering hot and he was stamping around like a madman. Harvey shouted to him, but his call went either unheard or ignored, so he climbed down and pursued Wendell around the side of the house. He found him in the orchard, red-faced and sweaty. "'What's going on?' he said. "'I can't get out,' Wendell said, grinding a half-rotted apple underfoot. "'I want to leave, Harvey, but there's no way out.' "'Of course there is. I've been trying for hours and hours, and I tell you, the mist keeps sending me back the way I came. "'Hey, calm down.' I want to go home, Harvey, Wendell said, close to tears now. Last night was too much for me. That thing came after my blood. I know you don't believe me. I do, said Harvey. Honest, I do. You do? For sure. Well, then maybe you should leave too, because if I go, it'll come after you. I don't think so, said Harvey. I've been kidding myself about this place, Wendell said. It's dangerous. Oh, yeah, I know. It seems like everything's perfect, but Harvey interrupted him. Maybe you should keep your voice down, he said. We should talk about this quietly, in private. Harvey interrupted him. Maybe you should keep your voice down, he said. Like, where in private, said Wendell, wild-eyed. The whole place is watching us and listening to us. Don't you feel it? Why would it do that? I don't know, Wendell snapped. But last night I thought, if I don't leave, I'm going to die here. I'll just disappear one night or I'll go crazy like Lulu. He dropped his voice to a whisper. We're not the first, you know. What about all the clothes upstairs, all the coats and shoes and hats? They belong to kids like us. Harvey shuddered. Had he played trick-or-treat in a murdered boy's shoes? I want to get out of here, Wendell said, tears running down his face. But there's no way out. If there's a way in, there must be a way out, Harvey reasoned. We'll go to the wall. With that, he marched off, Wendell in tow, around to the front of the house, and down the gentle slope of the lawn. The mist wall looked perfectly harmless as they approached it. Be careful, Wendell warned. It's got some tricks up its sleeve. Harvey slowed his step, expecting the wall to twitch or even reach for him, but it did nothing. Bolder now, he strode into the mist, fully expecting to emerge on the other side, but with some trick or other, he was turned around without even being aware of it and delivered out of the wall with the house in front of him. What happened, he said to himself. Puzzled, he stepped back into the mist. The same thing occurred. In he went and out he came, facing the opposite direction. He tried again and again and again, but the same trick was worked upon him every time until Harvey was as frustrated as Wendell had been a half an hour before. Now do you believe me, Wendell said. Yep. So what do we do? 
Well, we don't yell about it, Harvey whispered. We just get on with the day, pretend we've given up leaving. I'm going to do a little looking around. He began his investigations as soon as they got back into the house by going in search of Lulu. Her bedroom was closed. Her bedroom door was closed. He knocked, then called to her. There was no reply, so he tried the handle. The door was unlocked. Lulu, he called. It's Harvey. She wasn't there, but he was relieved to see that her bed had been slept in and that she'd apparently been playing with her pets recently. The doors to the doll's house were open and the lizards were, every, were everywhere underfoot. There was one strangeness, however. The sound of running water led him through to the bathroom where he found the bath full almost to brimming and Lulu's clothes scattered in the puddles on the tile. Have you seen Lulu? He asked Mrs. Griffin when he got downstairs. Not in the last few hours, she replied, but she's been keeping to herself. Mrs. Griffin looked hard at Harvey. I wouldn't pay too much mind if I were you, child, she said. Mr. Hood doesn't like inquisitive guests. I was only wondering where she got to, Harvey said. Mrs. Griffin frowned, her tongue working against her pale cheek as though it wanted to speak but didn't dare. Anyway, Harvey went on deliberately, goading Mrs. Griffin. I don't believe Mr. Hood exists. Now you be careful, she said, her voice and frown deepening. You don't want to talk about Mr. Hood that way. I've been here days and days, Harvey said, realizing as he spoke that he'd lost count of his time in the house. And I haven't seen him once. Where is he? Now Mrs. Griffin came at Harvey with her hands raised, and for a moment he thought she was going to strike him, but instead she took hold of his shoulders and shook him. Please, child, she said, be content with what you know. You're here to enjoy yourself for a little time, and child, it's such a little time. It flies by, oh Lord, how it flies. It's just a few weeks, Harvey said. I'm not going to stay here forever. Now it was he who stared at her. Or am I, he said. Stop, she told him. You think I am here forever, don't you, he said, shaking off her grip. What is this place, Mrs. Griffin? Is it some kind of prison? She shook her head. Don't tell me lies, he said. It's stupid. We're locked up in here, aren't we? Now, though she was shaking with fear from head to foot, she dared to make a tiny nod of her head. All of us, he asked. Again, she nodded. You too? Yes, she whispered. Me too. And there's no way out. Believe me, if you try to escape again, Karna will come after you. Karna, he said, remembering the name from the conversation between Jive and Mar. He's up there, Mrs. Griffin said, on the roof. That's where the four of them live. Rictus, Mar, Karna, and Jive. You know, I've met them all but Karna. Pray you never do, said Mrs. Griffin. Now listen to me, Harvey. I've seen many children come and go through this house. Some of them foolish, some of them selfish, some sweet, some brave. But you, you are one of the brightest souls I have ever set eyes on. I want you to take what joy you can from being here. Use the hours well because they'll be fewer than you think. Harvey listened patiently to this. Then when she finished, he said, I still want to meet Mr. Hood. Mr. Hood is dead, Mrs. Griffin said, exasperated by his persistence. Dead? You swear? I swear, she replied. On the grave of my poor clue cat, I swear, Mr. Hood is dead. So don't ask about him ever again. This was the first time Mrs. Griffin had ever come close to giving Harvey an order, and though she wanted to press, and though he wanted to press her further, he decided not to. Instead, he said he was sorry for bringing up the subject and wouldn't do it again, then left her to her secret sorrows.